I'm John Moe. On this week's Wits, actor and comedian Cristela Alonzo says growing up poor in Texas meant not hearing much about food allergies. That's something you never hear in the hood, you know, like, yo, Lamar's dead, like what, drive by? Nah, peanuts. Like, you never hear that, you know what I mean? We get a visit from Dora the Explorer, all grown up and working in an office. I need to finish the sales projections or I'm fired. <laughs> Estoy despedida. <laughs> Plus, Oscar-winning singer-songwriter Ryan Bingham joins us before he was on the radio, he was in the rodeo, and he offers advice on how to ride a bull. Well, you just, you know, you got to get a deep seat and a faraway look in your eye, and... (laughs) (laughs) Shot me up, Bama, with a wonderful love. I got a little taste, now I can't give you up. Shot me up, It's all in wits, coming right up. From APM, American Public Media, this is Wits. I'm John Moe, coming to you from the Fitzgerald Theater in downtown St. Paul. I believe we have a great show. Comedian and actor Cristela Alonzo is here with us. And singer-songwriter Ryan Bingham is here as well. Our band John Munson and the Witnesses here as well, and our acting company features Mike Fotis and Christina Baldwin. You're watching PBS. Programming on this PBS station is supported by viewers like you and the Girdleton Group. And now, a word from Herbert and Myrtle Girdleton. I'm Herbert Girdleton. And I'm Myrtle Girdleton. We are purred. Proud in our hearts to support Perbers. They are proud in their hearts to support PBS. Pergrams lurk, Erston Serter Lermerts. American Mersters. Curious Jurge. Earned Kermit Cern to Perbers, Dara the Explorer. The grown up years. That's right, Dora the Explorer, the grown up years. A special series where Dora explores that world beyond the forest. Adulthood. I have a job in a big office downtown. I work in a small cubicle. A cubiculo. Dora, who are you talking to? Can you please get back to work on those sales projections? (laughs) That's my boss. I need to finish the sales projections or I'm fired. (laughs) Estoy despedida. Can you think of anyone who would help me get this job done? That's right, Boots, the monkey. (laughs) Here I am. Oh my God, there's a monkey in the office. Boots is my best friend, mi mejor amigo. He's always there when I need him. He hides in the file drawer when I'm at work. Say file drawer. Say file drawer. Do it. Say file drawer. <laughs> hey, Dora, I found this baby bird by the coffee maker. Oh, no. We need to get the bird back to its mommy. What about the sales projections? have a map that talks, and it lives inside a backpack that talks, and both of them exist only to serve me. 
Forget the sales projections, you're fired. I did it! I got fired! Thanks for your help, bye-bye! Dura the Explorer, the Gurnabiers. Earn Perber-Earth. Christina Baldwin and me as the Girdletons, Jeannie Winterbauer as the announcer, Christella Alonzo as Dora, Ryan Bingham as the boss, Mike Fotis as Boots. Joining us this week, she's a comedian, she's an actor, and she's the first Latina to create, produce, write, and star in her own sitcom. That would be Cristela on ABC. Cristela Alonzo, welcome Yay, to Wits. Thank you. Thank you so much. So glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You are doing such incredible things in comedy. And when you were growing up, how much humor was there around the house? When uh, a lot. You know, my mom was very sarcastic because... I don't know, she, I don't even think she knew she was sarcastic, but we grew up very poor, and she used humor to for, make us forget that we were poor. So, like, for the first seven years of my life, I grew up in a border town in Texas, right between the United States and Mexico, and uh, for the first seven years, my family, we lived as squatters in an abandoned diner. So we had no money, we had no running water, no food sometimes, this, and was honestly, a, this was a place that had closed down. This was an, a, a diner that did not work, a non-operating diner. And my mom was trying to raise four kids. I was the youngest one. And honestly, when we talk about those days, we laugh and laugh because we remember having so much fun. Like where, you know, when I misbehaved, my mom would tell me to go sit in the smoking section. You know, <laughs> it was like ridiculous, but we had and a lot of good fun. Were you aware that other people lived in houses and apartments? No, absolutely not. Like I, I thought everybody lived in a diner, you know? <laughs> so I was, I always wanted to ask them like, where's your diner? And it turns out that no one lived like that. It didn't, it didn't hit me until I was 20, I was 21 or 22, I was in LA. I was having dinner with friends in a diner and I started describing to them how I lived and this one guy was like so you lived in a place like the one we're eating at right now and I looked around and I thought oh my god I did and I had never it never hit me because when you're a kid you never think about how your childhood compares to other childhoods you're just having fun you're just being a kid and then how did you find your way uh, into comedy from I mean it sounds like you had a lot of laughs growing up how did it become a profession I never knew that it was a job my mom wanted me to cut hair for a living because she always said, even in a recession, people's hair grows. So you'll always have a job, you know? And when I told my mom, I loved theater. I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved musical theater. And when I told her I wanted to do that, my mom was just like, I bet, why are you wasting your life? You know? And for her, she thought acting meant being in, in soap operas, Mexican soap operas, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was doing, I was, I was doing, I was acting for four years or so. And my mom kept telling everybody, Push. I haven't seen her on the TV. She hasn't done anything. No cancer, no pregnancy, no kidnapping, no coma, nothing. Because that's what she thought acting was, was being in soap opera. No evil twin. No evil twin. Mira esta. She's all fancy. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you went to college and uh, kept doing the theater once I, you were there? Yeah, I did, I did theater. I had to actually, you know, I went to a couple colleges and I dropped out because my mom, uh, my mom got sick and my sister needed help. And actually that's the premise of my show. Mm -hmm. It actually comes from a real time in my life where I had to stop my life and move back home to Dallas, Texas to help my sister take care of her kids and my mom. You know, and it's funny because in that part of my life, in real life, my mom actually ended up passing away. But in the show, it's the funniest, best time of my life. How did the show Cristela come about? You know that I didn't even, I didn't even want the show. I didn't think I would ever have a well, show ever. you didn't have to take no. the show. 
what am I going to do? Do you know how many kids are, are out there wanting their own shows? Right. I mean, I have to, right? No, I was actually traveling a lot doing colleges around the country. I was doing stand-up, and somebody approached me and said, did you ever notice that your stand-up is is basically the foundation of a sitcom. Because so I talk, telling stories. Yeah, I talk a lot about my mom. I talk a lot about, you know, just growing up poor. And it was just, you know, like I always told people that I didn't know that food allergies were a thing till I was older. You know, because when you're poor, you eat whatever you can or else you don't eat. You know what I mean? So it's like, like that's something you never hear in the hood. You know, like, yo, Lamar is dead. Like what, drive by? Nah, peanuts. Like you never hear that. You know what I mean? It's like... It's not anything, but that was my reality, you know, so... You had a terrible gluten reaction. Yeah, I know, man. Drive-by gluten. What? <laughs> Just threw them in. <laughs> it's having that kind of point of view that I grew up with that I realized that not everybody had. So when somebody approached me and said, you know, your stories and your family they think so differently than from so many other people. And I always told them, well, you know, I think it comes from class, not from being Latino or being anything. I think that if you're a struggling blue collar family, you, we all have the same problems, you know? So when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna give it a try. And I kept saying, what's the worst that can happen? I grew up poor. I can't go back to being as poor as I was. So I was fearless about it and it all worked out. And, and now I have my show. What did it take though? I, I understand yes. that there was, there was some obstacles between the pitch and the, the pilot and the, the pickup. The way that my show got on the air had never been done before in the history of TV, ever. Um, the network passed on my, uh, on my script. And uh, I understood it because there were a lot of other people that were attached, higher profile names. You know, um, Henry Winkler had a pilot last year. Kevin Hart had a pilot last year. I was going up against these people that were names. I wasn't a name. So um, my producers and I, we thought there was something to the story. And we figured, you know, they need to see the story on video to see what we were trying to show the world. So we had this little chunk of money, usually an average, you know, a pilot takes about 1.2, $1.5 million to make. We had a quarter of that. And uh, we actually borrowed uh, the set from Last Man Standing, which is Tim Allen's sitcom. And actually their crew decided to volunteer their time to help us shoot the pilot because everybody believed in this pilot. All of the actors that we auditioned and hired, they decided to do it for a major pay cut. I did it for free, my producers did it for free, and we were going to tape 15 minutes and everybody was so into it that they decided to give us the time and effort to tape a full 30 full minutes. Episode, yeah. And not only that, but we wanted to show off because everybody in my cast spoke Spanish. So the day of the pilot, we actually decided to wing it and tape part of it in Spanish to show that it could translate in Spanish as well. And we just wanted to show the network, this is what you could be, getting if you gave us a shot and uh usually when they say no they move on and the network saw it and liked it and we kept passing every every bar that they had every obstacle and um we were the first ones to ever be, get picked up by after being said no and being thrown out and completely disregarded to getting a slot on friday nights and that was we had done something we just did a guerrilla style and yeah. shot it on our own we just refused to believe that they had we, said no. We were taking no for an answer. They said no, and we're like, yeah, you're kidding. Here, come on on. What did they tell you about what it was that they saw um, after you had done all this that, that changed their mind? You know, it was the fact that there were jokes in the script that they didn't get. <laughs> it was so weird. Like, they, they didn't get it because those jokes were actually 
they were geared towards actual families that were blue collar, so they couldn't understand that the problems that my ha family had, every family had. You know, so we had jokes about, you know, um, I, you know, about expired milk and how in my family, my job was to always test the milk to make sure it was good. <laughs> You know, I, I was doing a joke about how when you're poor, expiration dates are suggestions. You know, you're like, all right, we'll wing it. Christella, taste it, you know? And, <laughs> and, you know, they couldn't understand it. And I remember them saying, well, but it's expired. Like, yeah, but we're poor. So just because it says a date doesn't mean that it's going to be bad the next day. At midnight, it's not like Cinderella's pumpkin, you know? Like, it could still be good. And the day we taped it, everybody laughed, and they're like, there were some people that were like, well, we don't get it, but it makes sense, so. <laughs> do you, I talked about it, how you're the first Latina to do all these things in your own show, create, yes. produce, write, star. Do you feel like there are a lot of people counting on you? Do you feel like as you're trying to be funny and make this show, there's a lot of weight on your shoulder? Absolutely. I, you know, it, it's funny because I've actually gotten criticism from the Latino community when they see the show and they say, well, not all Latinos are like that. And I say, yeah, I know. That's why it's not called Every Latino. I, the show is called Cristela, you know? I would I, watch Every Latino. I know, hey, Every Latino. <laughs> I know. Minute two, Ecuadorians. You know, you're like, what am I going to do? My point is, is that I think that a lot of Latinos, because we've had such few opportunities on TV, they're so desperate to have it represented correctly, have it represented right, that they don't understand that I'm telling my story. You, like, white people don't see Big Bang Theory and say, hey, not all white people are like that. <laughs> hey, modern family, who the hell do you think you are? You know, no, they, they accept that we all have different lives, you know? Like, you don't see Roseanne and think, hey, Roseanne, not all moms are like that, which I, I get a lot. A lot of people say, hey, your mom, my mom's not like that. And I'm like, well, congrats, get a show and write her the way that your mom is. <laughs> or do a show called Every Latino, and it has to be five hours long every week to cover every Latino country. That's what people don't understand. Latino covers so many countries, not it's, one country. Yeah, no, it's, there's no nation of Latino. I mean, what am I going to do? Exactly. No, <laughs> exactly. I have to wear all of these stere Latino stereotypes and just go on TV and say, are you guys happy now? <laughs> Every Latino. We're happy to have you and happy to have you doing it. And congratulations thank you. on everything. Cristela Alonzo, everyone. Thank you. Our musical guest this week is a singer-songwriter born in New Mexico, grew up in Texas, and won an Academy Award for his work writing and performing in the movie Crazy Heart. He's released five popular albums, the latest being Fear and Saturday Night. Here's Ryan Bingham. We're in the hill of Agon. I woke up this morning undressed. Might have been a little too drunk. I can't get you out of my head. Shot me a memo with a wonderful love I got a little taste, now I can't give you up Shot me a memo with your wonderful love 
Bingham and actor and comedian Cristela Alonso in just a moment. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. Want to see Wits in person? Well, we have some great shows coming up. We're making our very first trip to Austin, Texas. On May 21st, we'll be at the Paramount Theater with comedy legend Fred Willard. Hey, what happened? You know him from A Mighty Wind, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, Anchorman, Modern Family, and so many more. Plus music guests Carrie Rodriguez and Shiny Ribs. Thanks to KUT for sponsoring that show. Tickets at witsradio.org. This is Wits. I'm John Moe, here with comedian and actor Cristela Alonso and singer-songwriter Ryan Bingham. Well, I've been carrying my truck and his pack strapped to my shoulder ever since I was a baby I've been running from everything I know Don't you tell me about my trouble You know nothing about my trouble Nobody knows about my trouble Except for my baby and me Well, I was born a cowboy Way out west of New Mexico 
Times are tough, we had to let it go We moved to town, but they couldn't move it out of me It's way down in my blood Thicker than anyone understood Nobody thought that I ever would Get away with the troubling me And I've been carrying my trouble And this pack strapped to my shoulder Ever since I was a baby I've been running from everything I know Don't you tell me about my trouble Cause nobody knows about my trouble Nobody knows about my trouble Except for my baby and me Well, it didn't take too long For the pills in the bottom of a bottle to Dig a deep grave with a shovel And bury everything that a young boy needs But I found me a guitar One lonely night in a border town The pain started to ride it down But it wouldn't stay away from me And I've been carrying my trouble And this pack strapped to my shoulder Ever since I was a baby I've been running from everything I know Don't you tell me about my trouble Cause you know nothing about my trouble Nobody knows about my trouble Except for my baby and me Well, I got the hell out of there I made my way to the big town Checked myself into the lost and found What do you know? My baby come for me Now I'm living a good life Away from all of the bad advice Take every day like it's a paradise So people stay away from me Cause I've been carrying my trouble And this pack strapped to my shoulder Ever since I was a baby I've been running from everything I know Don't you tell me about my trouble Cause you know nothing about my trouble Nobody knows about my trouble Except for my baby and me Ryan Bingham to know about your life before you really got into music. I found this was fascinating. You were a rodeo guy. Tell me about Ryan Bingham, the rodeo guy. What was that life like? Well, it's kind of what you could probably expect it was, you know. I don't expect anything. I live in Minnesota. (laughs) All right. You don't have rodeos here? It's it's different. There's a cow and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) I was originally born in Hobbs, New Mexico, a little town in southeastern New Mexico and grew up kind of all over West Texas and spent a bit of time on the border down on, in Laredo, Texas. And, um, you know, hearing Christella talk about how she grew up, it was really kind of similar in a lot of ways, you know, and I, I didn't really think that, uh, you know, I didn't really understand that there was any other way to live until I kind of started traveling around and getting out in the world. Um, but I, I got into the rodeo through my, uh, through my family. My granddad and great granddad were cattle ranchers out in New Mexico and at a young age I got into going to junior rodeos and things like that kind of like how kids would get into you know little league baseball except for it was just kind of the the culture and the livelihood out here that a lot of kids grew up in I want to get to the music but 
I've never met bull riders before. (laughs) (laughs) When you're on that bull and you're trying to hold on for eight seconds, right? (laughs) What is going through your mind in that in that moment? Well, you just you know you got to get a deep seat and a faraway look in your eye, and (laughs) 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 it's kind of like Robert O'Keefe says it best. It's like driving down the highway, you know. 55 miles an hour and throwing the steering wheel out of the window. You know. <laughs> yeah, how did music enter the picture? Is it a classic cowboy out on the road with a guitar thing? Well, when I, I was about 17, I was living in Laredo, Texas, and my mother had bought me a guitar about a year before we'd moved down there, and I never knew how to play and didn't really know anyone that knew how to play. It just got really lucky, and a guy that lived next door to me um, would sit on his front porch in the afternoons and play all this old mariachi music. And uh, I'd go over there and sit with him and You're listen welcome. to him play, and <laughs> would mostly just help him drink whiskey, you know, and <laughs> listen to him play. It's so. good to help your neighbors. <laughs> finally, yeah, I'm gonna know. go take guitar lessons again. Give him some help. <laughs> and I finally got my courage up and grabbed my guitar and went over there, and he showed me how to play this old song called the La Malagueña, and uh, that was like the only song I knew for a year, and I just got so sick of playing that one song, I started. <laughs> I bought like a book of guitar chords and started trying to piece songs. And then I would, you know, so I was rodeoing with my friends. So on the weekends, I'd take my guitar and we would just make up silly songs going down the road. And, you know, after the rodeos, my friends would ask me to play around in the parking lots on the tailgate of the truck. And then eventually it would spill over into a bar. And, you know, the bar owners would ask me to come back and play the next time I was in town. And um, really just before I knew it, I had... You know, there's a dozen or so gigs around Texas and New Mexico, and um, I was digging holes during the week, working construction and things like that, so it didn't take me long to figure out that the guitar felt a lot better in my hands than the <laughs> shovel did. So. Or a bowl between your hands. Yeah, or a bowl, yeah. <laughs> um, and you went from relative newcomer to working with T-Bone Burnett and Jeff Bridges on Crazy Heart, and not too long after that, winning a dang Oscar. Um, how did that opportunity come about? Uh, yeah, it really started with um, a, fr- a friend of mine that worked over at uh, CAA, an agency in Los Angeles, and he just saw me playing some little crappy bar one night, and he, for some reason, wanted to start helping me out, and he had heard about this film uh, called Crazy Heart that was uh, Scott Cooper was coming up with, and he had sent uh, some of my songs to Scott, and uh, Scott liked some of my songs and called me up and just invited me to lunch one day and gave me a copy of the script and said, you know, we're looking for some songs. If you want to take a shot at it, you know, read the script. And um, so I took it on the road with me and started writing that song in the back seat of the van going down the road. And I got home and I called Scott and I said, hey, you know, I got this song. I'd like to send it to you in the mail, you know, see what you think. And he said, well, are you in Los Angeles? I said, yes. He said, well, you know, we're all over here at T-Bone Burnett's house right now. He goes, why don't you just bring it over? Legendary producer T-Bone Burnett. And, uh, no big deal. Be I right said, there. okay. So I, you know, I jumped in my 15-passenger van and <laughs> drove on over to T-Bone's house like I do on Sundays, you know, the house is, you know. <laughs> and I knocked on the door and, you know, T-Bone answered the door and he's like eight foot tall, you know. And <laughs> he's this big guy standing at the door and he, he knew I was coming and I had that CD in my hand, a, you know, a rec- demo that I recorded. He said, well, come on in here. And uh, he goes, let's, let me see that. Let's listen to it. And he, I walk in and there's like a dozen people in there, Jeff Bridges and Stephen Bruton and all these music supervisors and all these people. And he goes right over the stereo and he just puts it right on. 
And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is crazy. And he plays, he plays it over the stereo and they kind of sit around and look and he goes, well, can you play it for us live on the couch right now? And I said, yeah, I could, I could do that. And uh, so I sat down and I played the song and he goes, yeah, that's it. That's going to work. We're going to use that one. <laughs> You're like, and this all business is easy. <laughs> that is something. That is really something. Um, I, I want to ask about the latest record, Fear and Saturday Night. Um, first of all, what do those two nouns refer to, Fear and Saturday Night? You know, I just, I, for some reason with this record, I had some images of my grandfather when I was young. There was a kind of time in my life when I, I had to live with him out of kind of circumstances. And I just remember that every day, you know, no matter what was going on, he would always just you know, just walk out and look the world right in the eye, you know, no matter what was going on. And Fear and Saturday Night just kind of came about as, you know, there's so much craziness going on in the world out there, and, but you can't be afraid to step out the front door and just face what's going on out there and be a part of it. And so that's where it all started. It's, I was listening to it, and I listened to a lot of your older stuff, too. This record sounds really more optimistic, I guess, than because you got pretty bleak there for a while, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty stark. It did get a little stark, yeah. yeah. Some darker days in there. Yeah. yeah. What's, uh, what's bringing the smile to Ryan Bingham these days? You know, a lot of people didn't realize that during that, the time of the Oscars, and even before that, since I was a child, my father and my mother were real bad alcoholics and drug addicts and um, had been kind of dwindling down, you know, ever since I was in my early teens. And I headed out on my own after I'd moved from Laredo when I was about 17. And... Um, at the same time, all the, the Oscar stuff was going on, it was an amazing time in my life, but at the same time, it was real rough. Both of my parents passed away, and it seemed like from my first record on, it was just, you know, songs have always been a kind of a form of therapy for me to just kind of get things off my chest and process the world around me, and whatever's kind of going on in my life always seems to pour into the, the music or into the songs. After their death and kind of getting closure on some of that stuff and um, you know, my relationship with my wife is wonderful and we're starting a family and just kind of things started to turn around for me of just, you know, after wading the river for so long, trying to keep my head above water and saw some uh, hope. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think I just felt good. That's what, you know, yeah, I yeah. was happy, you know, so a lot I came out the song. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Bingham, everybody. You're watching PBS. Once again, our sponsors, Herbert and Myrtle Girdleton of the Girdleton Group. I'm Herbert Girdleton. And I'm Myrtle Girdleton. We're purred in our herds to support programs on Purberers. Lurk, Durnton Erber. Er, love Durnton Erber. We all love Downton Abbey, Myrtle. But sometimes all the subtlety, subtext, and nuance makes the show hard to follow. That's why PBS is not proud, but willing to present the same show, but dubbed with everyone speaking their mind. A program we call Downton Abbey for Dummies. I am a fancy person and I can't get dressed by myself, I'm so fancy. Where is that working person? I am the working person and I will help you get dressed and then I will hide. 
a lot of other fancy people are coming over for a sleepover, and that is normal. I'm a fancy person, and I will visit here for days and days. I may fall in love or betray someone, but I will stay fancy. I better get back to my endless polishing of things. I am mad or happy or confused or hungry. I don't know which one. Let's have a flower contest. Durnton Erber. For dermies. Earn Perber Ers. Christina Baldwin and me as the Girdletons. Janie Winterbauer as the announcer. Cristela Alonzo and Mike Fotis as fancy people. Christina Baldwin, again, as a working person. Our guests this week are well-versed in their own individual oeuvres, TV comedy for Christella, music for Ryan, but how well-versed are they in the other person's oeuvre? This is a game entitled, How Well-Versed Are You in the Other Person's Oeuvre? <laughs> I have in front of me lyrics to classic TV theme songs and also classic country songs. I will read theme song lyrics to Ryan Bingham, country lyrics to Cristela Alonzo. I will end each recitation abruptly, and our guest must then complete the lyric. If they fail, their opponent can steal. I will keep score. It's a competition because we think that's funny. (laughs) All right. Ryan, you're first. This is from the TV show WKRP in Cincinnati. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking, town to town, up and down the dial. Maybe you and me were never meant to be. So I guess I'm going to leave now. (laughs) That would be a very sad show. (laughs) All right. Ryan doesn't get a Cristela to steal. <laughs> but baby, think of me once in a while. That's right. Cristela gets the point. I'm horrible. All right. No. Cristela, this is from Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues. I bet there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car. I bet there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car. She loves you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan Bingham to steal. They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. That's right, Ryan Bingham gets the point. I had no idea. I got lucky. All right. <laughs> nice Johnny Cash rumble there, too, by the way. <laughs> All right, Ryan, this is from The Love Boat. Oh, no. (laughs) Love, exciting and new. Come aboard, we're expecting you. Love, life's sweetest reward. Let it flow... into you. (laughs) That would be good. That's a good one. But no, that is not the answer. Christelle Alonzo to steal? The love boat. Oh, I don't know. Oh, man. Let it flow... It floats back to you. Oh, I was close. Oh, 
That so sounds close. like a lyric you could write. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. This is from the classic situation comedy, The Jeffersons. And this is a lyric uh, that really benefits from me reading it out loud. <laughs> Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now... Could you repeat it? Yes, I could. <laughs> Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now... Here are the Jeffersons. <laughs> that, that would be a very functional theme song. Then the Jeffersons come out and say hello. We are the Jeffersons. We're the Jeffersons. Let us begin our program. No, that is not the case. Cristela Alonzo to steal. Now we're up in the big leagues. Getting our turn yeah, at. Back. Yeah, that's all right. We give her the point, Christelle Alonso. Sorry, I didn't know how long you wanted. Completes the steal. No, I, that, was, that, was very good. that was very good. I thought you wanted just the sentence. I'm sorry. No, no. That was, that was wonderful. Um, all right. This, uh, we're going to return to Johnny Cash here, Christelle. Ah, uh, come on. I know. <laughs> this is from uh, a Shel Silverstein written song for Johnny Cash, A Boy Named Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had had, and I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent and gray and old, and I looked at him, and bl my blood ran cold, and I said, my name is Sue. How do you do? Coo-coo-coo-choo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it! I just wanted to get a laugh at least. <laughs> Ryan Bingham, my name is Sue. How do you do? Now you're going to die. That's right. Ryan Bingham. <laughs> now these are the Jeffersons? <laughs> we are the Jeffersons. Did, the, did Cash sing about the Jeffersons? Of course he did. <laughs> All right, Ryan Bingham. From Gilligan's Island. Jeez. <laughs> no phone, no lights, no motor cars. Not a single luxury like... Like being stranded on a desert island? Well, again. <laughs> That's a good guess. <laughs> you have a very good grasp of literal meaning. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. Give me one more time. All right. One more time. I, got I really look forward to the Ryan Bingham sitcom because <laughs> the theme will just be, I'm Ryan Bingham. Here's my show. <laughs> what else do you need? I'm an actor on the show. <laughs> All right. Ryan Bingham. Ryan Bingham. <laughs> Ta-da. I'd watch that show, too. Ta-da. I'm so excited for the TV season. All right. No phone, no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury like Robinson Crusoe as... Oh. I got lost. Oh, I got lost. I'll give you a point. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Okay, I won't give you the point. No pools, no How pets, no. All right. Oh no. It's as primitive as can be. Thank you. Uh, like Robinson. I'll give Caruso. you both a point. How's that? Okay. All right. 
feels cheap, but I'll, 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 get, I'll give you a makeup question here. Um, and I think if you don't get this, I know this is a fastball over the plate for Cristela. This is from the Golden Girls. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, I would be your friend. <laughs> Just give me the point. <laughs> no, you got to follow through. And if you threw a party. <clears throat> and if you threw a party. Hold on, can I start from the top? <laughs> yes. No. I'm sorry. Thank you for being a friend. Travel around the world and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, inviting everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. I would right. be a friend. I would be your friend. I was I in there. I would be your friend. Here are the, the Jeffersons. Here come the Jeffersons now. Look, there they are. I'm declaring Cristela Alonzo the winner of the game based on the strength of that performance. Congratulations. It, it, feels, it feels nice to win. Not as nice as winning an Oscar, but it feels nice <laughs> yes. to win. It's really an honor just to be nominated for a Wits Game show. More with Cristela Alonzo and Ryan Bingham just ahead. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. This is Wits. I'm John Moe, here with comedian and actor Cristela Alonzo and singer-songwriter Ryan Bingham. God with tattoos 
blood in your arm and it's good and it's warm and still free to choose so take your sweet time and walk a straight line too but don't you be shy your wilder side be afraid to let loose with a broken heart tattoos somewhere inside where it all lives and dies I know there lies a heart unbroken in the dark where love still grows So follow the roads that make you feel old and brand new If you remain kind yet aware of the signs You'll know just what to do With broken heart tattoos Whispers of time will ride down the lines And stories will be told And as the wind blows your life may unfold some truth Remember that eyes shoot arrows through lies Should you sing out of tune With broken heart tattoos Ryan Bingham. All right, when we mess with her, we have to keep a straight face or she won't believe us. Oh, I don't know, Illinois. This is so mean and wicked funny. I might crack up. Vermont, if you crack up, I'm going to crack up all the way over here on the West Coast. You guys, please don't mess with her. This is not going to turn out well. New Mexico, don't ruin the fun. Oregon, Vermont, I'm counting on you. Illinois, I'm Texas's neighbor. 
I know what's going to happen here. It's never good. Oh, no, no. It'll be so worth it. Let's wake her up. Okay, okay. Hey, Texas. Hey, Texas. Texas. Hey, good morning. Hey. It's Illinois. Hi. I'm here with Vermont and Oregon. Oh, hey, y'all. Oh, I love how you say y'all, Texas. It's so great. Yeah. That's what makes this news so difficult to tell you. The president has outlawed the term y'all. Yeah. It was just announced this morning while you were asleep. You can't say it anymore. What? For real? Oh, totally for real, Texas. You have to believe us. And you, you already heard the news about football, right? Oregon, what are you doing? No, just, just, just go along with it. Just back me up. I, I, th I thought you heard, Texas, with, with all the head injuries and everything. Football is illegal now, oh, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. No high school games on Fridays. No Longhorns versus Aggies on Saturdays. And on Sundays, no Dallas Cowboys. <gasps> Yeah, everyone has to play tennis now. <laughs> ah, yeah, nice try, you guys. I'm not falling for that. Oh, hey, we would not lie to you, Texas. We're your friends. But, this is terrible. I love football. Texas, it's New Mexico. They're just... Yeah, that, 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 shh, shh, it's true. It's true. Now, now, you should have listened to New Mexico because he's, uh, he's part of Mexico now. Yeah, we gave him back. What? And Texas, all your cities with Spanish names are Mexican now, too. Yep, so uh, go ahead and say goodbye to San Antonio. Amarillo. Dias. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> what? Yeah, it's, uh, it's all part of Mexico now. I guess I understand. I'm disappointed. I'm very, very sad. <laughs> But okay. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, are you crying? Of course she's crying. Told you not to mess with her. I mean, how many times do I have to tell you? Yeah. Don't, 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 don't mess, mess with, with Texas. Texas. That's what you said. <laughs> Texas, look, they're, they're kidding. Y'all is fine. Head injuries are okay. Your cities, they, they belong to you. You guys, you know, I hope you're happy, you know? She's crying now. Why'd you have to mess with her? That was really funny, I guess. Jeez, uh, this wasn't the reaction we were expecting. Yeah, Texas, I, I, we feel terrible. It's just, you have that slogan, don't mess with Texas, and it kind of makes us want to mess with you. It's, it's so tempting. Ah, did you just shoot me? <laughs> yeah, a little. You guys, don't mess with Texas is an anti-littering slogan. In 1985, the Texas Department of Transportation wanted people to stop throwing garbage from their cars. Don't mess with Texas means be nice. Oh, yeah, it's our bad on that one. No. People think I'm so big and tough, but I'm sensitive. Ow, that hit me right in the Peoria. You also shouldn't mess with Texas because... She shoots off guns when she gets upset. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I think you hit Montana on that one. Uh, don't worry about it, Texas. I'm the same way. You guys, don't mess with her. Well, okay, well, I know. Lesson learned. We won't do it again. Oh, sorry. Even though the president did outlaw guns. No, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, kidding. I'm no, kidding. No. I'm kidding. Oh, you guys were just trying to have fun. I wish I could cut loose and have fun like that. Yeah, you know. Alaska's just waking up. <gasps> Ooh, let's tell him that the Russians bought him back. <laughs> He's gonna kill us. This is this is a really terrible idea, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Mike Fotis is Illinois. Christina Baldwin is Vermont. Me is Oregon. Ryan Bingham is New Mexico. Cristela Alonzo is Texas. John Munson as Montana. Here with more music, Ryan Bingham.
John Munson and the Witnesses. Want more Wits in your life? Go to witsradio.org and find out how you can see a Wits show in person. You can sign up for our newsletter, get the latest about what our various Wits guests are up to, or tell us what you're up to on Twitter. Just tag us. We're at Wits. Thank you to our friends Christella Alonzo and Ryan Bingham. Thanks also to our technical director, Corey Schreppel, our coordinating producer, Hans Buto, our intern, Autumn Burgraff, Julia Schrenkler, and the staff at the Fitzgerald Theater, Tom Campbell, Aaron Cassio, Dan Zimmerman, and Mike Wongan. Wits is written by me and Ben Acker, Jeff Drake, Kate McNally, and Mike Fotis, who also acted in this week's show, along with Christina Baldwin. We're joined by music director John Munson and the witnesses, Joe Savage, Richard Medic, and Janie Winterbauer. Our executive producer is Peter Clowney. Our senior producer is Larissa Anderson. I'm John Moe. Bye now.